Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited that you are joining me today for an interview with my friend, Jessica Kaplan. And Jessica is the Senior Director of Leadership, Strategy, and Talent Management at Bright Horizons, which is a company that partners with organizations to support their employees and culture through things like childcare, early education, elder care, tuition assistance, and much more. And we're looking forward to learning more about that. Jessica, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, great to have <laughs> you. We have, uh, we've chatted a few times and gotten to know each yeah. other before we sat down to do this interview. And I think this is an interesting conversation to have because it, we have two different sides of things to discuss. On the one hand, you work in a company that helps other organizations with employee engagement, culture, assisting their employees, letting them bring their whole selves to work and all the things that go along with that. And you're also the head of the talent management team there at Bright Horizons and can talk about some of the challenges that come with that. We're going to talk about some things like, you know, letting employees bring their whole selves to work, you know, inclusivity, if you will, talking about the assumptions that we often make about talent. And uh, we're also going to talk about what the modern working family looks like. And we haven't had too many conversations about that. So I'm excited to get into that. But before we do, uh, let's just start with a little bit of your background. Who are you and how did you get to where you are today? Uh, thank you. And I really am excited to be here. Um, I've learned already a lot with you, Andy, and, and I've appreciated kind of the partnership already. So again, my name is Jessica. We uh, work right outside of the Boston area. And my background is versatile, let's say. Uh, <laughs> but what it has taught me coming from, I started off in international education exchange and really pursued the world of higher ed and then even a PhD. And then I started to realize that, you know, you can learn on the job just as well as you can learn within academia. So started working um, to support educators in their professional development, working at Discovery Channel moving to help information technologists and potential or future chief information officers 
in their professional development through IDG, and then found my home at Bright Horizons and started actually on the client side, helping our clients partner with universities to help the client's employees improve their own um, skill sets to upscale. So, you know, nine years ago when I joined Bright Horizons, a lot of academia was still focused on that traditional 18-year-old. But they realized just like, you know, with technology, with the reality of needing income, that more um, adults are working while studying. Traditional learners are now actually more looking like non-traditional, where they are studying online, studying part-time. And so um, I had that real privilege to kind of sit between the world of academia as well as business, starting off at Edisys here at Bright Horizons, and then realized, wow, we do a lot for our clients. How do I help our own employees? And so I had the opportunity to move in-house internally, as you mentioned, into this HR function, and I really enjoyed that too. That's really cool. So yeah, you're kind of on the front lines of what is going on mm-hmm. with the people out there in the corporate world and talent development. You mentioned that traditional learners now look more non-traditional. People are going back to college at all different times, having children really later, probably a little bit earlier, but also later. Everybody's in all kinds of different situations and also working a lot longer too. So let's start there. What do you see as kind of the big trends that have been changing in the working world over the last you know, few years as you've been looking at it? Well, I think you actually just started on it. I think the trend is the complexity. There's no path anymore, right? I know that Deloitte, you know, in 2018 talked about how the 21st century career is now experiences, right? It's not one career experience. But I think when it comes even more complex is when you take, you know, career stages, right? Entry level, mid-level, senior, and you overlay that with life stages, Right. You know, people who are looking to kind of maybe start a family, those who are taking care of elderly parents. Right. There are more and more sandwich generation people who are working, who are taking care of children as well as elderly parents. You look at, you know, millennials are now parents. Right. So you add that life stage with career stages. And I think from a talent perspective, it is really hard to generalize. You know, it is really hard to find ways to support employees because there's all these different scenarios where someone may be a brand new parent and maybe may want to be, you know, um, leaning into their career. We Mm -hmm. can't make assumptions that that brand new parent doesn't want the promotion. Maybe that brand new parent has a partner at home who's decided to stay home and balance, right? We can't assume which gender that parent that's staying home. Maybe they're both working. Maybe they have people you know, a support structure outside of their nuclear family that is allowing both parents to work. Yep. Um, maybe they're single parents. I could go on and on and yeah. on, right? Well, you, That's the trend. <laughs> right. The gist is we, we can no longer generalize. We can no longer assume anything oh. about people's situations. We have to really ask them and get to know them and what they want. And you talked about making assumptions. And I remember you sharing a specific example last time we talked that just, I think, kind of epitomizes this. Would you be willing to share that? Obviously, you know, we don't say what company is or anything, but... Yeah, no, of course. I mean, and the beauty and and privilege I have of working at Bright Horizons, I do get to, you know, speak to our clients too, you know, and so speaking with our clients and and then also looking at some of our own practices and lessons learned internally, you know, I'm sure many of the people listening do talent reviews, right? They sit down and, and talk about, you know, who is their leadership bench session planning. 
But in one conversation, it was around this new mother and the, the leaders were talking about this high potential employee. And basically the leaders said, uh, who were talking about this high potential said, you know, she's a new mom. I, I don't think she will want to travel. Let's, you know, hold off on offering her this kind of new role until, you know, we give her about six months of being a new mom. And then someone else chimed in, yeah, I think that she, you know, also is kind of taking care of a, you know, a sick loved one. So again, let's not overburden her with that idea of a promotion, you know, and then come to find out when you actually talked to that employee, which I had the opportunity to do, that was not the case at all. In fact, Mm. uh, work was what she felt she had control over. It was what energized her to go be that mom at home. It was what gave her, you know, some sense of control while her parent was ill. And actually what it, it really stuck with me and one of my you know, privileges here at Bright Horizons is to be an internal executive coach. And you know, as a coach, I have to hold people creative, resourceful, whole in order to challenge them with questions. And I think what happens is in a really caring culture, similar to Bright Horizons, we can want to protect people. We can maybe want not to overburden them. And by making assumptions that, hey, let's protect her. Let's not ask her to, you know, about this promotion. We actually took the autonomy, the agency away from that employee to say, what does she want? And I think it was just so revealing to me of how important it is to build into our talent processes, conversation to create psychological safety where employees can say, you know what, I do want to lean in, even though I am a working mom and I'm not going to feel judged or vice versa. I do want to take a break and take care of my family and not feel judged. And I think that's how we're going to engage our talent. And, you know, as we're all competing for talent, that's key to our business. Yeah, it's so important. And again, you know, we talked about generalizations and assumptions. I mean, you just can't make any of those in this day and age. That's why it's so important to have that coaching conversation to ask employees, what do they want? Where do they see their career going? How much they work right now? What are their ambitions? You know, do they have things going on at home that are impacting how they work and really get to know those? And maybe like to your point, a working mother may have a lot of stuff going on, but Maybe work is the thing that most fulfills her right now because she has control and feels like she's good at it. And she may not feel like she's very good at parenting. I know I don't feel that way sometimes. I was say, we all know that if we're <laughs> We've talked about that too. really good at it. <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like things are going well at work, but then my kids are yelling at me at home. Yeah, people at work say thank work. you. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't appreciate anything I do. Sometimes I just want to go back to work. Um, exactly. So, If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. You know, speaking of working and working parents, you mentioned that, you know, millennials are parents now. Millennials are the largest percentage of the working force. 
millennials are parents now. I mean, by general measurements, we're talking about people born between 1980 and 2000. So, you know, essentially these, these workers are now between 20 and 35 years old, right? So a lot of them are parents now. And you have some studies on that. You, you mentioned last time we talked, the working index, I think, right? From, yeah, the modern from family index. Modern yeah. family index. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to keep it general, but um, overall, so at Bright Horizons, you know, we are so curious about what are the challenges of employees and particularly those employees in relation to their families. So we do a research study of thousands of employees, more or less annually, that we call the Modern Family Index to gauge what is top of mind for employees who do have families. And again, defining families in all different ways, right? Families are those, you know, people that are taking care of elderly parents or, you know, loved ones, period, sick loved ones, people that have loved ones that have special needs, for example, right? People that have uh, babies to take care of, all of that. And this is what the Modern Family Index, you know, we bring all of that to work. Even if we can't talk about it, that, you know, depending on the culture, that's one thing, but still it's in our minds, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of, of talk now, you know, in the New York Times and, and many, many different forums about mental load. But our Modern Family Index, you know, really brought that to life in many ways that, you know, actually working mothers, right? We know that working parents, this is, a, men are taking on just as much of stress, et cetera. In fact, men are the Modern Family Index revealed that men have just as much stress when it comes to being a working parent. But what we did find is that women are taking on the majority of the mental load and the idea of the management of the family, the logistics of signing up for camp, of taking, you know, when a caregiver becomes ill, who's going to, you know, fill in for that caregiver, you know, health forms, all of that things. And if you think about it in a work scenario, that's like managing an entire team in addition to the team you work. So the idea is, you know, with this modern family index is equipping employers with information about the realities of their employees so that they can help support so that the mental energy that employees have can be used at work, right? So it's a productivity question that the modern family index helps to inform. Yeah, that's interesting that, right. And I heard this in a previous interview that you know, the millennial generation has the highest percentage ever of, you know, dual income earners, right? In, in other words, both parents are working for the most part and they have kids and they're managing their careers. And in general, women are still taking on probably more of the home role because traditionally they've done that and therefore they're taking on more of the mental load, as you mentioned. I wonder if on the other side, if, you know, while both sides can manage anything, men are taking more, still more of like the financial stress of I need to provide for this family and getting stressed out on that side. But I feel like based on people I talk to, that's still the case. Yeah, there's um, our Modern Family Index, and I can grab the stat some other time, but uh, and people can look it up. But, um, you know, talk about how men are actually more likely to experience burnout mm. at work because of, you know, feel like they can't share their stress when it comes to family. So they're taking on the load, but actually, and the stress of being a parent, um, yeah. to your point, and, but they're not able to articulate it or share it. They don't feel that same openness or as much openness as the ability to. So that's leading to burnout or, or the feeling like they can't, you know, be their full selves at work right. and that they have to hide. Well, yeah. And in my experience, talking to a lot of people about things like this, men tend to be less likely to ask for help or 
share that they are going through these stressful times because we as men often feel like we need to be able to take care of everything on our own. We shouldn't need help, which is just ridiculous, of course, but a lot of people feel that way. And then it does lead to stress. It leads to burnout, like you mentioned. So a lot of people, men and women working are dealing with this. You mentioned that they need to be able to kind of bring their whole selves to work. How can employers better manage this and give employees what they need to be more fulfilled, more engaged and manage their lives as well as their careers? You know, I think first, I think it comes with role modeling, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I I think about our CEO and he just recently, there was an executive team meeting, right? Him and his direct reports are of our C-levels and it was on the same day as this really important day for his son at school. And he went to his school and went to the celebration for his son and missed an hour of this executive meeting, you know? And of course, you know, he didn't miss, it was still, he was able to be productive and lead the meeting. But, you know, he said to his direct reports, I'm not going to be here for this hour, you know? And then he shared that on the main stage saying, I prioritize this, you know? I mean, it's one thing, it's like when your boss says, you don't have to email me over the weekend, but your boss emails you all weekend. Right. right. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you tell me I don't have do to what do what I that, say. But, don't do what you know? I do. Yeah. yeah. So I think this idea of it's, it's the conversation, right? Hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to attend that meeting today in person because I have to go pick up my child at the doctor's. Those small kind of just sharings, right? We don't have to get super personal, super vulnerable, but it's not hiding it either. I think that's kind of the, the cultural piece. I think from a structural you know, piece, we can certainly, a few things, again, is offer benefits that actually talk to people's life stages, right? There are a lot of people that don't have children, don't want them, or they can't have them. Mm-hmm. So when you're always, you know, say, hey, we have early education, we have childcare, we're a great place to work. Well, if that doesn't resonate with people on life stage, that actually can be exclusive. It's like, mm-hmm. great, you have that, but that doesn't meet me where I'm at. Right. You talked about the financial burden that millennials are feeling, right? A lot of that can come from student loans, right? So we partner, for example, on student loan repay, right? What a better way to have a sticky benefit <laughs> that meets someone where they are at their life stage, could meet them at regardless of their age, right? People could have loans at all different life stages. So I think it's thinking through or pet sitting, for example, Thinking through, we have a great video that just has sat with me so deeply of, you know, an employee walking into the office building. And as they walk in behind them is, you know, them with their pet, them with their real estate agent, them with their, you know, uh, their elderly parent, right? The idea of bringing, so bringing your whole self to work, as we've talked about from my perspective is around bringing, you know, all the stresses too. And so if we can role model that it's about work-life integration, not balance, right? Because that means work is separate than life. If we can create, you know, structures and processes and benefits that alleviate some of those stresses. And then I think finally, it's going back to that idea of curiosity, Andy, you know, in our talent reviews that, that the employee's voice is represented. We're leveraging, you know, our HRIS system, for example, to have the employee, you know, write in what are they interested in? Where are they in their life stage? When would they be ready for the next move? So we can't talk with every single employee all the time, but we have their voice 
integrated right through the system at key times of decision making for talent at performance reviews when we are doing succession planning that the employee's voice is right there with us i think that's the other way that you know we are not assuming or generalizing yeah it goes back to that again because i i remember we talked before about this and you mentioned people being in different situations different life stages I've seen it also where people make the assumption that, well, you know, so-and-so has kids, so, you know, we'll make sure that they can get off work early. And the single guy over there, you know, we'll give him extra projects because he's got nothing else to do. He doesn't have kids to get to. And that's that's discrimination as well, right? That is. And actually, we know from the younger generation, from millennials, that they consider work-life integration balance key, right? Mm. And a lot of them don't have children. Right. (laughs) So we need to understand what does that mean to them? Yep. You know, and I think that's a really important point you're making, Andy. And again, you know, the challenge though is assumptions are yeah. expedient, right? You can, you move very fast when you make assumptions. <laughs> right. Asking. It's um, hard to stop know, and ask questions, have conversations. Stop, it takes a lot of time. Right? It takes time. And, you know, and I get it. Like it really, I mean, you know, this idea of intersectionality, you know, that is so important to inclusivity and diversity. It all of a sudden just becomes so complex. How do you make a policy that meets everyone's needs? How do you roll out a benefits program that meets everyone's needs? Mm. But I think it's really not about meeting everyone's needs, but it is about asking, being curious, and then, you know, being responsive too. And I, I think ultimately that's what creates belonging too. Yeah, that makes sense. And I like you mentioned integration and not necessarily balance because we know that everybody is doing work at home, right? We're, we all have email on our smartphones. Bosses and employees are texting each other. You know, people are checking, working after dinner, after they put the kids to bed. A lot of people I hear are working a lot. And on the same notion, people are taking care of personal stuff all day at work, right? You know, I'm texting or talking to my wife constantly while I'm at work to, about different things and making plans for later. And the, like you said, calling the real estate agent or the kid's school and maybe even ordering your groceries through Instacart or, you know, or shopping on Amazon, going on Facebook, right? People are doing that stuff during the day. You're doing personal stuff during the day and work at night. So it's just how do you integrate all of this stuff smoothly so you get things done and you still feel like you have a life? Well, that's an incredible point. And again, right, it's the idea of integration. So this is where, again, from a talent perspective, you know, goals and clear metrics to one's performance become very important. Because it's about the output, right? It's about what you are able to accomplish, not how you do it in terms of, are you evaluating that someone's been in their seat for eight hours a day, Mm -hmm. right? And they could be in their seat for eight hours a day, but on Facebook, right? Right. So now, I mean, I think that becomes why, you know, performance management and goal setting and, you know, again, that ongoing performance discussions and feedback becomes so important because you constantly have to be looking at the output and mm-hmm. progress, right? Versus kind of the time and seat or even, you know, tenure, for example, because people yeah. are moving all around as well, right? Remember back in the day when we get like, you know, you don't want to move too often. That's you know, right. People are going to think you skip around. Now yep. it's... <laughs> it's it's, it's happening do. so much more often. It's, it's yeah. much more acceptable. People are even afraid of staying in a place too long. I, I saw data that showed, I was at a conference once and they showed a, this report on, you know, when is the right time to move? And sometimes if you stay at a company too long, I think it was around eight years, 
then it actually starts to go down. It's harder to move because companies look and say, oh, well, this person's not very mobile. They probably have a hard time acclimating at a new company or something. No. And judge you the other way. Complexity, right? It's just, yeah, there's a lot of complexity. (laughs) It It is so complex. And I think it's funny that you mentioned pet care as well, because I reminded me that last time I was doing work with this client a couple months ago, and there's this woman on the talent team that I work with there that several times she'd leave in the middle of the day to go home to walk her dog. And it was like half an hour each way back to her house. It's like an hour and a half of lost productivity every day because she needed to go back. She felt like she needed to go back and walk her dog. And like that's, I could see a benefit there that could certainly help with productivity and, and results at the office. Right. And, and it's kind of, it is crazy to think, but if you put yourself in that person's shoes, you know, and again, let's use that um, idea of someone not having a child, right? Yep. And you say, but your dog is not as important, mm. you know, right? I mean, for those, the, that's really, a, pets are very important to certain people. They are. And, and so all of a sudden, the idea that I don't belong here, right? They don't value what I value. Mm. And we know that people are staying at organizations because of shared values. Yeah. And I, I real fast on that, I will tell you, we had, I remember very well, we were putting on a conference, the lighting technician that we have on staff, his dog was being put down. And I watched how, you know, you know, events, <laughs> they're high stress, but you mm-hmm. need all hands on deck. And, you know, our team supported him in leaving. So we'll get it done, right? Just like they would have if it was a sick parent or a sick... I get it. That's hard because if you put your values and you don't value pets, but for that person, I remember he came back, he said, I'm here for life. Mm. For the way that, you know, I what was so important to me, this supported me. I I mean, really, it still gives me goosebumps and talk about a retention strategy. Yeah, that's so cool. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. We've talked a lot about people, parents, you know, dealing with their kids and pets, and of course, focusing a lot more on millennials, the people in the middle. But for a lot of the baby boomers, people in their 50s and 60s who are still in the workforce, they're also dealing a lot now with taking care of sick and aging parents. And that's becoming, that's an equal, if not bigger burden that a lot of people are dealing with. And you have some experience in that area as well, right? What's like kind of the trend there? Yeah, that is the trend. (laughs) You know, and not to sound, but from an employee, right? We're all talent people listening and and engaging with you. Everyone has parents. Not everyone has kids. This is truth. This is true. So it's a universal benefit. (laughs) And it's so stressful. And you don't know how to navigate when it happens. And it can happen really fast that someone becomes sick. 
So, you know, we and, and others, but we're kind of on the leading edge of this, but, you know, do this idea of elder care. So if your caregiver for your elderly loved one, it doesn't have to be your parent, you know, can't come and take care of your elderly parent, there's a backup care service. You can, we have a group of providers, but also, you know, again, I, I want to make sure that this is about talent strategy and not just about Bright Horizons. I think bottom line, it's around making sure that, you know, we help employees and supporting them to the unexpected, right? And when it comes to taking care of elderly parents, it can be very unexpected and very sudden. And yet work still sustains, right? And, you know, different than a maternity leave when you can give someone eight months notice, right? This is right away and, or it can be. And so that's where we're seeing a real way for employees to become an employer of choice. Uh, We're doing this for our employees as well. We're trying to practice what we preach. And we're finding that elder care is having incredible traction, just like special needs as well. Similar, when you find out that your child has been diagnosed with autism or with particular learning disability, et cetera, all of a sudden you have this entire new world to have to navigate, right? And usually you have to navigate that world during working hours. (laughs) So how can you have that support? So it's that unexpected help people plan for. I think that's where finding traction. Totally. Okay, let's transition to the internal side of what you're working on at Bright Horizons. Because when I first met you a few months back, you had kind of moved into this internal role, leading this team that I kind of joke, uh, you know, because you are a one person team. There. I have two. There's two oh, of us. Oh, you have two. There's okay. Two, two person doubles. teams. We're, We're fine. We're double team. I'm sorry for discounting that. Um, <laughs> what's the, what's the big thing that you're working on to make sure that you're practicing what you preach and you build a great talent and culture there at uh, Bright Horizons? A couple things. First, practicing what we preach is trying to build the employee voice into our systems and our processes. That's the first. <laughs> the, and so what I mean by that is, uh, as I gave examples, and that, those are really for my own, our work now is, is making sure that, you know, in our system, the employee is able to write and then uh, that the information the employee shares is visible during key decision points. I would say the the second is just establishing a talent management function in itself is I think a real commitment or a demonstration of our commitment. Because with Bright Horizons, you know, we have grown quickly. We care so much about people, like our own people, our clients' people, little people, big people, (laughs) that, you know, I think uh, for a long time, you know, we were, a lot of our leaders knew all of the employees, they can make decisions about talent. They didn't really have to ask because they knew them, right? They knew that Joan, you know, didn't want to travel. And that was true. (laughs) But the challenge is that when all of that lives in people's heads, the systems don't support it, right? That conversation. So I think where we grew very fast, our leaders couldn't know everyone. And so what this structure, bringing in talent management as a real function is to try to create the systems and processes and structures to help us still be able to care, to help, you know, people, you know, maybe they don't know everyone, but that information is being shared in a transparent way up and down and throughout the organization. So again, we aren't assuming or acting on outdated information. So I would say the establishment of talent management, bringing in the employee's voice, and then also empowering the employee. I think we've asked a lot of managers here at Bright Horizons. You know, managers need to do performance reviews. Managers need to have career conversations. 
Yet, you know, as I talk more and more with our employees, I realize that a lot of our employees don't actually know what they want from their careers. They want a promotion, quote unquote. They want, you know, more money, quote unquote. But what that represents to them, they're not really sure. They don't understand what actually is going to give them fulfillment. Right. And so I think helping employees realize that their careers are on them, right? We need to have the structures and systems. We need to give them information. We need to be transparent. We need to be asking them questions. But it's up to them to provide us with the information oh. that's going to you know, bring them to the place where they want in their career. And I think we have a lot of people right now handing their keys over mm-hmm. and saying, you can drive managers, yet they're not happy with where they end up. Yep. I'd like to change that. And, um, and I think employees are ready for it. They just don't necessarily know yet how to do it. And that's where coaching really has come in, you know, and, and just helping employees start to gain that kind of internal clarity and then the words to describe what they're looking for. Yeah, that's so important and something I am so interested in and passionate about. We've talked about that a little bit in the past, but I mean, a lot of employees are waiting for their managers to show them or tell them what to do. They don't know otherwise. And you know, we've had conversations with my colleague, Christine DiDonato, who runs a company called Career Revolution Career Rev. And she is amazing at helping employees understand this. I just booked a keynote with a company at their employee learning week to talk Mm. to their employees about the importance of taking ownership of their own careers because it's so important. They have to lead that conversation and say, figure out what do you want? Not just I want a promotion, but you know, why is that? Is it because of the student loans or is it because you feel like you need to get different experiences because of peer pressure with, you know, social proof, your parents, certain position you want to get to, your own ambitions. Like people need to figure that out and be willing and able to share that with their boss, with their HR BP, with you know the people they work with so that they can get help with it. But it's hard to get help with things unless you can get specific on what you want. And so I think the more we can spread that gospel and share that with people, I, I think it's going to help a lot of younger employees be a lot more successful and fulfilled and less frustrated. Because like you said, they feel like they want something, they don't know what it is, and they're not getting the support that they think they should get or the guidance they should get from their manager who's also busy with a million things and doesn't know what they want either. Hey, well, thank you. First of all, exactly. And you know, the poor managers, even if they have good intent, they're saying, how can I help you? And the employees, right. and, um, you know, nothing. Right. And, you know, I think to your point, I just have found it so useful to help people start to think about what are their values and what are their strengths? Right. Because when you stand in your values or you stand in, you know, I value, you know, having an impact. I value developing people. Mm-hmm. I value freedom. I value stability, whatever it is. And then you stand in, hey, I, you know, am a strong strategic thinker. I, you know, can bring focus to an organization. I would say when you stand in that, you don't take away anything from anyone else. Yeah. Right. It's like if I were to stand up here, I'm not going to take, I don't take up your space. I'm just standing in what, who I am. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds like very, you know, big, but when I give more information to my manager about what motivates me, you know, who I am, what I can bring, then it's like the manager can start to get creative. Oh, you want to, it isn't, you know, being a manager to you or getting that promotion represents that you would get to develop people. Well, I don't have the promotion for you this budget season. But you know what I have? It's an incredible opportunity for you to mentor. And that's going to, you know, give you visibility, you know, with the executive team if you're in this mentoring role, 
right? All of a sudden you're like, you have two brains and two, you know, talking about what can be possible versus I don't have a job for you. And then the employee saying I'm out. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, this is great. I was bringing awareness to a lot of people. Jessica, in your career, what has been your greatest accomplishment so far, your proudest moment? I think there's a reason why I'm very passionate about this idea of empowerment. You know, it's really personal, but I'll share it anyway. You know, I really wanted a family. We, you know, found out it was going to be a really long road for us to have them. Mm. I do have twins now, thankfully. And I remember just feeling like I overwhelmed at work. I just wasn't fulfilled. I couldn't have the children I wanted and everything was just felt like not in my control. And, and a boss of mine and, uh, and then supported by a group of peers said, you know, how about making the life you want now, even if, you know, in the job you want now. So what is the job you want now? My point is, is that it was the proudest moment was for me to stand in this idea of saying what would fulfill me is A, B, and C. And it felt very courageous. I felt very vulnerable. But because I was able to share that, my boss was able to say, we need to get you through this hard time, but I'm going to help find work for you that's going to meet a business need and keep you engaged. And my point is, I think it really was a turning point for me that by, you know, getting clear on what I wanted and then, you know, saying, this is what I can give you to the organization the organization was able to respond to me and say, well, this is what we need and that's the alignment. And so that alignment, I think, is what I'm constantly looking and I'm proud of that I did it myself because I know how hard it was. And now I'm out there like preaching to our own employees because mm. I know how hard it is to say it. It feels very risky, right? But we all know if you're Brene Brown or any other fan, right, that courage is vulnerability and vulnerability yes. is courage. Yeah. So, I think that it's so personal, but I'm so proud of it in my own career because it's been kind of the source of energy that I have to kind of, you know, there's a lot of change management in an organization like ours, right? Where, you know, we put a lot on managers. We do try to protect and care for our people. It's changed to say to employees, it's on you. We're going to support you, but it's on you. And so I think that's the the most proud and it continues to fuel me in, in more work and coaching and advocating. So I love that. And I think, you know, it is hard to be vulnerable and ask for help, but we can't read other people's minds, right? And until you're willing to open up about that stuff, nobody knows how to help you. And when you do, I mean, no one's going to judge you for it. There's a lot of people listening right now that can probably relate to the situation that you were in and even what you went through. And now you have so much empathy for other people and why you want to help others. I can see it on your face. It's just, it's beautiful. But I do have to ask the other side, which is what's been your biggest mistake or failure in your career so far? What'd you learn from it? <laughs> Always a continuum, isn't it? Probably not asking for what I need. Mm. The shoulds, right? You and I were talking about what's a, a book or concept or TED Talk that, you know, is, you know right. that idea of positive intelligence, this notion of this is uh, Shirzad Shamin and, you know, these saboteurs, right? Similar that can tell us that we should not ask for help or we should, you know, be farther along in our career and should, 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 and, you know, shitting all over yourself, right? They say so. So this idea of, you know, not being able to, I wish I had started to be more courageous earlier because mm. um, I think that, you know, we have our life and work is a huge piece of my life. And so that's probably the biggest one. I still do it too. You know, I'm new boss, right? 
how should I show up? What would she want me to do? You know? And um, so it's a constant challenge, but you know, I'm up for it. Love it. I love it. You know, life is a constant journey and a constant lesson. <laughs> yes, We're learning man. all the time. <laughs> We're trying to get better and, you know, be ourselves more often, not worry about judgment. Okay. We talked about a trend already about working world becoming more complex. You mentioned Brene Brown, but I'll ask you, are there any other books that you highly recommend or that have made a big impact on you and your career? Yeah. I mean, definitely The Positive Intelligence by Shazad Shamin. I do think um, this idea of imposter syndrome, I think I see a lot of my coaching clients and leaders feel that way. I'm sure many of you do as well who are listening. But when I am able to offer this idea that it's a syndrome, quote unquote, or that you know, a lot of people feel this way, that normalization, I think, seems to work. I've really noticed a lot with my clients, with our employees here, that there are a lot of people who are achievers, right? They get far fast. And I always think about it like they are people who climbed a mountain, right? And when you climb a mountain and you have to put your you know, face down, one foot in front of the other, and then you're all of a sudden at the top, Right. And it's like there's a lot of people who are almost at these points of their career where their employees are saying, What do you want? You know, your high potential. What do you want? And they haven't done the work to know what they actually want to our mm-hmm. prior conversation. So I think this idea of, you know, realizing I've earned kind of this ability to say, What do I want? So I think the imposter syndrome can really help with that. I think positive intelligence to me can really help employees understand what they want, not what should they want, yep. right? What are the old stories they're telling themselves right. versus what they actually want, their internal wisdom. And then, you know, bottom line, I think just, you know, great books like Thanks for the Feedback and any type of book or thought leader that talks about transparency, curiosity, that's kind of what really resonates with me and informs Drive by Daniel Pink. Those all inform kind of our approach. Yeah, so many great books there. And the imposter syndrome you mentioned, so real for so many people. I mean, I dealt with it myself and I talked to so many people that do. I mean, I had a SVP of, you know, person who runs talent development for a large tech company recently on to interview her and she didn't even want to do it. She didn't think that she really had anything to say and felt almost like an imposter that she shouldn't be in the position that she's in and doesn't know how she got there. And I think a lot more people feel that way than we even realize sometimes. And it's just, it's interesting. And more we can bring awareness to it and say, hey, you know, you deserve to be where you are. You know, you've got a lot of great... And especially, I mean, come on, talent people are awesome, right? I know. They care about people. They, you know, they are empathetic. They see the importance that people, you know, important roles people play in organizations. If anyone's going to have a voice, yeah, right? Let's have talent, right? Let's have a voice. So So us silencing ourselves or saying we're not good enough and that, you know, it's a waste of time. We need more, more positive, um, I think, caring people out there and every talent person I've met. And that's why I love being in this space now really feels that way. They care. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that's why I love being in this space as well. All right. So speaking of voice. Last question for you, Jessica, sure. for everybody, anybody listening who is in a talent development role and looking for ways to accelerate their career to get better, uh, what's one more piece of advice you would give? I have really benefited and learned from and been put out of my comfort zone with presenting at conferences or talking, you know, just on different webinars, that kind of thing and blogging. You know, I think there's something courageous about putting your ideas out there and also messing up. <laughs> Not that I've done that, but yeah. Totally. But I think that that's, 
so, you know, just getting those opportunities, you know, especially someone young, you know, alumni networks are always looking for speakers, right? You can tap um, a community center may want to hear, how do you drive your career for people in the community? You could run a session like that. You know, I think that just getting out there, hearing yourself talk, hearing what, you know, ideas resonate, I think it can really help kind of with clarity, but also visibility, right? I think the best jobs are those that come to us naturally. And so I think that kind of thought leadership work, I think can be really beneficial for all different reasons. Awesome. And that's how we, you know, the most reinforcing way to learn things is to teach it, right? And to put it up, get experience, putting your ideas out there, be willing to fail a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I just booked a quite a few different speaking engagements on new topics I haven't really done. And I'm excited and nervous. And I know that they won't all go perfectly, but they'll get me a lot of great experience and feedback from people. And I'm excited to see where things go for that and excited to see where things go for you Jessica, and I really do appreciate you coming on. For anybody listening that maybe want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn is Jessica Kaplan. Although there's a lot of us, I now have this common last name through my marriage. So there's a bunch of us, but uh, or Jessica period Kaplan at brighthorizons.com. Got it. All right. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share your experience and wisdom. I loved it. And I know our listeners probably did as well. So thank you again for coming on the Talent Development. I love listening to your listeners talk. You have a great podcast and thank you for connecting all of us. It's really important. Ah, Thank you so much, Jessica. Take care. Bye. Thank you. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.